drop thy still dews of quietness till all our strivings cease. Take from our souls the strain and stress and let our ordered lives confess the beauty of thy peace. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. and chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old, and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son whom Sarah bore him, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
Amen. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in responsibly reading verses from Psalm 116 with the Antiphon. who has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. What shall I return to the Lord for all my benefits? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Now, beloved, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. Glory to you, Lord. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles or enter, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. The authority of Jesus' ministry is today transferred to disciples ancient and modern. Change is afoot, as James Baldwin eloquently said. Nothing is fixed forever and forever. It is not fixed. The earth is always shifting and the light is always changing and the sea does not cease to grind down the rock. Generations do not cease to be born, and we are responsible to them because they are the only witnesses we have. The sea rises and the light fails. Lovers cling to one another, and children cling to us. The moment we cease to hold each other, the moment we break faith with each other, the sea engulfs us, and the light goes out. The authority of Jesus' ministry is today transferred to disciples, ancient and modern. Today we meet Jesus on the hinges of the first gospel as the flow of the gospel swings from Lord to apostles. In the announcement of this good news is included a measure of empowerment for each one of us. This is the kind of day on which, for once, for the first time, or for once in a long time, we may be seized by a sense of divine nearness. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven has come near to you. When that sentence makes a home in a heart or in the heart of a community, a different kind of life ensues. Capture in the mind's eye for a moment the sweep of the gospel read earlier. First, Jesus has been about teaching and preaching and healing. His compassion abounds. 
the endless range of needs about him, he unblinkingly faces. Second, Jesus calls and sends the disciples and empowers them, and by extension, he empowers us. The gospel will have been read thus, as it thus is read by us. He instructs and directs them in their work, where to go, what to do, how to be, learning, virtue, piety, start at home, heal the sick, travel light. Third, Jesus expects and forecasts for them a less than utter victory in their work. They are to know how to shake the dust from their feet. Fourth, Jesus warns that there will be a price to pay. The discipline that is the hallmark of the disciple here is named. Shall we not remember Jesus' ministry? Shall we ignore the call and power offered here? Shall we forget the directions given? Shall we turn a deaf ear to the cautions about consequences? We pray not. The main sweep of the gospel today is clear as a bell. Jesus gives power to his disciples, to you and to me. And yes, there is devil in the details of the passage. The material in our reading sends us into foreign territory. We have other words, whether only modern or both modern and more accurate, to describe unclean spirits. We recognize that the list of apostles or disciples differs from other lists. In the New Testament, when you get a list of the twelve, Peter, Andrew, James, and John are all set. From there on, it is a free-for-all, each one different. We're uncomfortably aware that Jesus himself and other Bible passages goes both to the Gentiles and to the Samaritans, and regularly and infamously so. We do not regularly ourselves meet leprosy. We carry no gold in our belts, nor silver, nor even copper. We are not pilgrim peregrinators who arrive in town and camp on a doorstep. We sense that the hard distinctions we make between disciples and apostles were not made by St. Matthew. We do not readily conjure up visions of Sodom and Gomorrah. We sense that the time of Matthew and his community's persecutions under the emperor Domitian, 85 to 90 CE, may have colored all or a part of this passage. Nor are we to think that we should buy tunics or money belts or sandals or travel on donkey through towns in Israel or prefer judgment on on Gomorrah. Confusion here, if we get stuck there, will allow us to avoid the clear call of Christ upon our consciousness, which is the main flow of the gospel. Or the main point is crystal clear. To follow Jesus means to take up where he and his earliest companions left off. Do you love Jesus? Then you must do something for him. Jesus has taught, preached, and healed. This ministry he has bequeathed to his disciples and to his apostles. We have been seized by the confession of the church, and so we are here this morning. We are Christian people. And now his ministry, 
This ministry is ours. Which part of this ministry draws you? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. It may be that healing the sick has a medical degree of meaning. It may be that raising the dead is about pastoral ministry in the Northeast where the church awaits resurrection. It may be, it may be that cleansing lepers is about including those on the outside of the social fence. It may be that casting out demons is reminding people not to fear, not to fear. Good change can come. Real change is real hard, but it comes in real time when real people really work at it. And we could debate further. You could challenge the interpretation, but the questions stand. Where does your passion meet the world's need? What are you ready to risk doing in order to plan for the worst, hope for the best, then do your most, and leave all the rest? What are you going to give yourself to with that reservoir you possess of ability, affability, and availability. Who calls you? Who called you to your own real life, your own most self? Last spring, we honored our marvelous BU Chief Health Officer, Judy Platt, a physician who test by test got us all through COVID. She mentioned that a book on her family table called to her as she was a child over the years to enter medicine. It was a book about Albert Schweitzer. Schweitzer, a child organ prodigy, a youthful New Testament scholar, a young dean in his Alsatian Theological Seminary, a man whose New Testament books and articles I used with profit in my own dissertation a few years ago. A person whose own story has difficulties, to be sure. Schweitzer's life changed on the reading of a Paris Mission Society magazine. And he left the organ, and he left the New Testament. He spent seven years studying medicine and 35 years in ministry in Africa. He wrote as a scholar perhaps the most beautiful, poignant, and accurate words about our gospel today. He comes to us as one unknown, without a name, as of old by the lakeside. He came to those who knew him not. He speaks to us the same word, follow me, and sets us to the tasks which he has to fulfill for our time. He commands And to those who obey him, whether they be wise or simple, he will reveal himself in the toils, the conflicts, and the sufferings which they shall pass through in his fellowship. And, as an ineffable mystery, they shall learn in their own experience who he is. And what he wrote of Jesus became his life. He left Oregon and seminary, studied medicine, and practiced 
serving the Powan and Punjabi tribes folk in Lamborghini, Africa for 35 years, calling his philosophy a reverence for life. Or perhaps you remember a young woman from Rockford, Illinois, Jane Addams. She grew up, grew up 140 years ago in a time and place unfriendly, even hostile to the leadership that women might provide. But somehow she discovered her mission in life, and with determination she traveled to Chicago, the Windy City, and set up Hull House, the most far-reaching experimented social reform that American cities had ever seen. Hull House was born out of a vision, a social vision, and nurtured through the generosity of one determined woman. Adams believed fervently that we are responsible for what happens in the world. So Hull House, a place of feminine community and exciting spiritual energy, was born. Adams organized female labor unions, She lobbied for a state office to inspect factories for safety. She built public playgrounds and staged concerts and cared for immigrants. She became politically active and gained a national following on the lecture circuit. She is perhaps the most passionate and most effective advocate for the poor that our country has ever seen or heard. Of her own work, Adams wrote, Let us mark the words. They're words of warning. The blessings which we associate with a life of refinement and cultivation must be made made universal if they are to be permanent. The good we secure for ourselves is precarious and uncertain, floating in midair until it is secured for all, all of us, and incorporated into our common life. Christopher Lash explained once the puzzle of Jane Addams' fruitful generosity. Let us mark the words. Like so many reformers before her, she had discovered some part of herself which, released, freed the rest. Is there a part of your soul ready today to be released that will then free the rest of you? Is there a a backwoods, a, a quiet trail, a hidden meadow of meaning in your spirit ready today to be the scene and sight of such a release? You may reminisce this morning, Father's Day, about one or more who raised you Not all parents are of the natural sort. Some are. But some are relational dads and moms. Our dad died on this date, June 18th, 13 years ago. He and his companions in ministry lived in the openness and the magnanimity of the freedom of grace, the freedom for which Christ sets us free, on which we are to stand fast and not to be enslaved again. That is, that faith is not a prize to be won. Faith is a gift to be received. Think of those who formed you. In our case, he 
lived convinced of the lasting worth, the ultimate value of persons and personality. He lived and taught that love, and that love means taking responsibility. He placed the highest premiums on marriage, family, children, friends. He had a rare, great capacity of friendship and for friendship. He could be restless with and critical of those perspectives which narrow the wideness of God's mercy. And he could be restless with and critical of those practices in personal and institutional life which did not become the gospel. We're not becoming of the gospel. And when we cried, that's not fair, he replied, whoever told you life was fair, whoever told you that? He trusted that wherever there is a way, there is Christ. Wherever there is truth, there is Christ. Wherever there is life, there is Christ. He honored his own conscience and heart and expected others to do the same. The conscience of the believer he trusted is inviolable. Many of you remember today those who helped you become a person, a real human being, and perhaps even a disciple, helped you with toughness and love and love and toughness. And as I heard him say about 1990, thereabouts during a minister's meeting in the old Oneida church, because I am loved, I can love. Because I am loved, I can love. Or you may muse today, alert to costs in discipleship, about Juneteenth. Andrea Taylor, Senior Diversity Officer at our beloved Boston University, has taught us so much about the holiday in the last two years and about her own generation's marches toward freedom, encouraging us, encouraging you to read and to learn, to read, Say Arthur Ashe's brilliant memoir, Days of Grace. Say Howard Thurman's With Head and Heart. Say Cornelian Edward Baptist's towering monograph, the single best available work in this area. Blood done sign my name, slavery and the making of American capitalism. He reminds us that we all dwell on the 10th floor of a building whose first three stories were constructed with stolen land and enslaved labor, free land and free labor, for the benefit of anyone who had or used money then or now. Say Charlene Hunter Galt's book, My People, One day, nine years ago, here at Marsh Chapel, after a winter funeral, later at what my mother would call the collation, meaning the meal following the service, Charlene Huntergalt introduced herself. You may remember her, as we did, from her many and fine contributions to the PBS NewsHour with Jim Lehrer. She said, I need to talk to you about the 23rd Psalm, which I had used in the service. And I was so overjoyed and pleased to meet her, and then so worried that I had somehow offended her or misrecited the psalm, 
that the collation time passed with some serious anxiety. It needn't have done. She wanted to recall a memory. A memory of her younger self. A self that heard a voice saying, Follow me! At 18, she was the first African American to integrate the University of Georgia in 1961. The daughter of a Baptist minister, all of a sudden alone in a big place, a strange place, a new place, walking home the third night, and there were taunts, and there were threats. And the university that day had even suggested she might just want to go home, at least for a while. But she went ahead into her room, quiet, solitary. She closed the door. She turned out the lights. And she waited and waited until quiet came. And then it was the only thing that came to her mind. The prayer of David in Psalm 23 came to her. And she spoke the psalm alone, afraid, uncertain at night. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you love Jesus? Then, you must do something for him. Do you love Jesus? Then you will want to do something for him. Amen.
Please be seated. We now come to the time in our service when we lift our hearts and our minds in prayer. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by remaining seated, standing, or coming forward to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Trusting in God's abundant mercy, let us offer our prayers for a world in need. I will end each petition with God in your mercy, and the response is, hear our prayer. For the church here and around the world, we pray. Seek out, good, seek out disciples and send them out with authority to proclaim good news. Bring healing where there is pain encounter the forces of evil. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the earth and all its creatures, we pray, equip farmers, farm workers, and all who labor on the land to produce a harvest, nourish crops with ample rainfall and abundant sunshine, restore lands ruined by pollution or misuse. God, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. For those who govern, we pray. Empower those who seek peaceful solutions to conflict and embolden those who advocate for all who are oppressed. Work through systems of government to establish justice throughout the world. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who suffer, we pray. Accompany those who feel helpless, alone, or abandoned. Embrace any who long for successful treatment for mental illness or freedom from addiction. Heal those who are sick. God, in your mercy, we pray. For our fathers and father figures, we pray. Console all who long to be fathers, children estranged from their fathers, anyone grieving the death of a father, and the fathers who have lost a child. Draw near to all for whom this day stirs up difficult emotions. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all the saints we give thanks, receive into your eternal care all those who have died and fill us with hope that does not disappoint. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Receive our prayers and answer us, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. As we enter into this time of offering, let us return to the Lord a portion of what we have received, presenting to the Lord the glory due to God's name. Come, just as God's love has been poured into our hearts, let us pour our love into the world by sharing what we have with this world and this, com- and this community as a sign of our hope.
Holy and merciful God, we thank you for all the gifts and blessings that we have received this week. And just as the rain and snow waters the earth to help it bear food, use us and our offerings of time, energy, and talents to feed and nourish all of your creation. Guide our hands and feet as we move towards the day when your kingdom will be on earth as it is in heaven. In your Son's holy name we pray. Amen. Lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace.